0: Well good morning Gateway Church. I'm so glad you guys are all here today um, on this beautiful holiday weekend as pastor said in and- and I might add, we got some pretty nice weather here today. I just gorgeous temperatures. Great day to be in church. Great day to fellowship. What a day for a church picnic, am I right? Yeah. Today is a great day for that. So we're excited. So uh, we look forward to seeing you guys there. And as Pastor mentioned, we're going to be picking up on our series in First Corinthians, chapter nine, um, in verses nineteen through twenty-seven. Um, so if you guys, you can start thumbing there. But first, before we dive into the Word, before we dive into our message today, I have a exercise that I'd like to challenge you guys with. It's, it's somewhat challenged. I'm going to give you a, maybe a minute to do this. Um, next to you or somewhere close to you, there is a white sheet of paper. Um, I want you guys to go ahead, grab that sheet of paper piece of paper out. Uh, There should be a pen close by, and this is what I want you to do. In the next minute or so, I want you guys to write out your top five passions, okay? Just very quickly jot them down uh, if it's a true passion, I believe that it should surface quickly, that you won't have to dig too deep for it to rise up. Because Why? Because it's a passion. And so write it down. You can write it on your bulletin or, or whatever you have, but your top five things that, that you really are excited about, things that you care about, things that, that move you, uh, that, that you wake up in the morning and you think about, and I want you to write them down on that piece of paper. I'll just give you a moment longer. Uh, just to, to finish up, if you only get three, then it's three, you know. Uh, we don't want to create anything here, um, but let's just jot down what it is you're most excited about, what you're most passionate about. Just a couple more minutes here, um, and then we'll we'll move on. Uh, for most of you, you're, you're still writing, and as I said, don't take long um, and just, just jot it down. So here's what I want you guys to do. Uh, we're going to dive into God's Word in just a moment, but I want you to take that piece of paper. Don't show anybody, but I want you to take that paper, and let's just fold it in half. So go ahead and fold it. If you're not quite done, just take a couple more seconds and finish up. Fold that paper up, and now I want you to just take that piece of paper and sit on it. Just, just sit on it. We're just gonna sit on that for now. We're not gonna do nothing with it. Uh, we're gonna pull that out in a moment. So go ahead and do that. And uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen through twenty-seven. And uh, I'm excited about God's word. And just to preface what we got going on this morning, I have been praying about, you know, this message. I've known I've been, I was going to speak. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to share? And God really put upon my heart a great challenge for believers. Um, And and it's going to be God's word. We're going to look at it. I believe you're going to be challenged and encouraged. Um, If you're, you know, come and you're seeking and this is your first time or you're you're just checking this out, I want to encourage you to stick with us throughout this message and just really let's seek God together and and watch what he does because God is amazing. God loves us all and he wants to be a part of our life. And so I'm excited about this morning. So let's stand with me. We have been uh, um, in honor of God's word through the whole Corinthian series. We have been standing and reading God's word. And today we're going to follow through with that. And uh, so starting in verse 19, read along with me. Um, it says this. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So. As to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today, Lord, with open hearts and open minds. God, we ask that your spirit be moving all during this service. Lord, I pray that that no matter who's in this room today, no matter where they are at in the relationship with you, you would bring to life your truth, God, in their heart. Holy Spirit, take control. I ask that you put a bit in my mouth that I will not say or communicate anything that is not of you. God, we just commit this time to you and ask that you move in a power Way to challenge us and help us to become more like Your Son, and we thank You for all that You've done for us, for the grace that You have given, and for this weekend. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I, as I said, I'm super excited about what we're going to be talking about. It's, I believe, it's very powerful, and it's going to be um, good. Uh, just to follow up. With what we had been talking about, Pastor, we've been in this First Corinthians series for a number of weeks now. And uh, if you rewind a few weeks back to um, Pastor, he's been preaching. We've been talking about gray areas. We've been uh, Paul was kind of defending his title that his ministry somewhat had been under some scrutiny. People were looking at Paul's life and noticing maybe some what could seem to be inconsistencies about him, and and how he was somewhat different than some of the other apostles, and so they were questioning his authority. Hey, are you a teacher? Are, you know, who, How do you preach, or, or what authority are you doing this? And Paul is making his case and saying, look, this is who I am. This is why I do what I do. And we started off with talking about the gray areas and how people there's this belief in the Corinthian church that you know what if I don't feel like my own faith is in jeopardy that I am justified entitled and able to do whatever it is I will and the challenge was and pastor put this challenge forth that we you know though we are free and though we may not feel that my salvation is at stake however out of our love for people we we need to ingrain in ourselves some self-discipline and, and hold off from doing certain things. Why? So other souls can be saved. You know, Paul's saying, yes, I am free. He starts off right in verse 19. He says, I am free and I belong to no one, but I took those freedoms, he says. He says, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And he's talking about the concept that our lives are not our own. That we need to live for God and live for other people. And that's a challenge that we as Christians need to embrace. That though we are free, though we can do what we will, and though I may not feel like my salvation will be at stake, for the sake of other people, I will act in such a manner that will lead them to Christ. And everything he said and did, he was thinking, is this going to lead someone closer to Christ or is it going to bring them farther away? And he chose to lower himself and make himself a slave. You know, Paul was free in his title as an evangelist. Paul was free in his citizenship as a Roman. Paul was free in his financial status. And he said, hey, you know, though I have a right to ask for support from the Corinthian church, I chose not to for a couple reasons. I chose to do it so that you may know that I'm not just in this for the money. He chose to do it as an act of service to the Lord. He laid it down as an offering to God, and he did it. um, And he had freedom in that, that that he wouldn't have had if they were directly supporting his ministry. He was saying, hey, you didn't give me a dime. I did this out of my love for you and my love for the Lord. I am free. I am free from all these harnesses, these snares. I'm a slave to nobody. But what did he do with those freedoms? He laid them down. He laid them down, and that is love. He did it out of love. He did not allow himself to act in any way that would cause somebody to stumble, whether out of their own spiritual ignorance, whether out of their weakness. He chose to lay himself down, as Christ did. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing, and it's a challenge to us today that we, are, we cannot have our own conscience be the only qualifying justification for our action. Amen? Amen. That that we need to look for the good of other people and act differently. Because the, the reality is, is that there are Christians out there, weak Christians out there, whose faith will be affected based upon how you act and how I act. They are watching our every move. You know, and they're not mature enough in the Lord yet to to be grounded in their faith to where what you do does not bother me. So I can pick anyone in this room at random and could say no matter what you choose to do with your life, it will not affect my relationship with the Lord. Yes, you can make me angry. Yes, you can make me sad, but it's not going to affect my relationship with the Lord because I'm grounded in my faith. I know the Lord. I know who I am in Christ. But there are others who would look at how I act and how you act and it would rock their world. They would be like, you know, your actions could, could create a separation between them and God. And Paul saying, I am not going to do anything that would come in between another believer and the Lord. And so he chose to make himself a slave of all, which is amazing. And, and, and that's the why. That's the why behind he, him laying everything down is so he could win as many souls As possible. You know, we can see that Paul, reading this text, we can see Paul had a great, deep passion for seeing souls saved. Everything he did, he had that in mind. That he, he, it, it was a driving force behind his life, that he, his desire to see souls saved. And my question to you this morning is, and, and to you mature believers, to you um, Christians, how important is winning souls to you? You know, it was Paul's driving force to his life. How important is it to you? It was his goal. It was, it, it was what he breathed and lived for. He, everything he did. Paul had this whatever-it-takes attitude to his ministry that was like no other. And this morning, are you guys willing to do whatever it takes to see souls come into the kingdom? You see, I believe that we as Christians, God has called us all to be soul winners. Amen? Amen. God has called us to reach the lost. You know, and this has been challenging me all week. Um, as I've been meditating on this, as I've been uh, thinking about, it, as I've been praying, God challenged my own spirit. It says, "Pete, are you willing to do whatever it takes?" Pete, how important is it to you that souls enter the kingdom? Now, vocationally, I'm a pastor. You know, I left my, I, I, hung up my roofing equipment and I sold my business years ago. And vocationally, I'm a pastor. And so, you know, I think in terms of church. And my, you know, I work here and I do my thing. But am I out in the marketplace as I'm walking down the street? Am I preaching the word and reaching people? Am I reaching out? You know, God challenged me, saying, "Look, boy, this has got to be a passion." Of yours, and I want you guys to do, to do with me for a moment. Uh, you should be sitting on a list of your passions, a list of your goals, something that you're excited about, something that moves your life. And I want you to look over these goals. I want you to look over these passions that you put down earlier. And I want you. I want to ask you a question: Is winning souls on that list? Is it and? And I don't. I do this, and you might say, "Hey, that's not fair, Pastor Pete. You didn't tell me to give you the Sunday school answer. You just said what most excites you." And so, you know, I could have very easily fishing, hunting, you know. Uh, Spear fishing, pizza, anything. Um, it could be very easy. And I do this not to condemn you or to make you feel shame in any way. But I do this to make a point. And my point being that winning souls should be on that list as a mature believer. We have got to be passionate about winning souls that jesus was jesus didn't come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many and paul being in step and and becoming more like jesus every day he was trying to do everything it took whatever it takes to win people to jesus And i want you guys to repeat after me whatever it takes now, this is the first of three times we're gonna do this, and each time I want it to increase in intensity. So, second time, whatever it takes. Whatever it Very good. And now, the third time, I wanna hear it nice and loud. It beautiful, beautiful. Whatever it takes. We gotta have that whatever it takes attitude you know because God has called us the gateway church to be soul winners and not pew sitters and I know we know that here at the gateway church but I believe God is challenging you and challenging me to turn up the heat everybody say turn it up turn it up God is saying we need to act with urgency we need to act as if people's lives depended on it because the reality is is they do People's lives are in the balance, and we don't know how long we have on this earth. We don't know if we're going to be raptured tomorrow. We don't know if the person you're closest to is going to die tomorrow. We don't know, but we do know that we need to act as if each day was our last, and the person you're talking to was their last day. You know, had they leaving your company and you never challenged them or gave them an opportunity to respond to the gospel message, where would they go the next day? That is the reality. And that's what Paul's saying. He is making a case that, that he has conducted himself in a manner with this great passion in mind the whole time. You know, God has called us to, to be soul winners, the gateway church. Um, you know, and I want you guys to think, you know, sometimes we think, well, that's the pastor's job. That's the minister's job. That's your job, Pastor Pete. And my challenge to you today is it's all of our jobs. You know, I want you to think of Pastor Ben not as the minister, the minister, but as the administer. That he, his job is to equip us for the work of the ministry. And we are God's holy priesthood, are we not? We are we are God's holy priesthood, and God has called every person in his family to be a soul winner. And so God is saying, look, if you love me, if you have my heart, you would love other people with such a love that you would do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And so Paul, with this mission, this vision in mind, begins to explain what some might call chameleon-like actions. Okay, as I told you before, people were looking at Paul as people look at you. And they noticed what would seem on the surface to be some inconsistencies in his ministry. And they called it to question. And Paul is, is saying, look, this is why I do what I do. So, so let's look in verse 20. He said, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in his blessings. Okay, and a few things strike me funny as we read through this passage. Um, it seems like Paul is confused in this, in this, you know, text. He's saying, hey, I, uh, you know, I'm under the law, though I'm not under the law, even though I really am under the law. And uh, so how, what, what's that? Is Paul having some sort of identity crisis here? Is he like, who am I and what's going on? I'm, you know, I'm not under the law, but I am under the law, but I'm not. So it's cool. You guys, you know, just, that's cool. You know, it it seems funny, but really what Paul is talking about here is there are different types of law, and it's important to know which one he's talking about in the text as he's speaking. In the first of which, he references three people groups in that short little um, span, and we're going to look at all three of the first are the Jews, the matter of the Jews. Now, when he's saying to those who have the law, he's referring to the Jewish ceremonial laws. There were 614 different Jewish laws and festivals and feasts that the Jewish people followed and and went through very closely and what he was saying is like when I'm with the Jewish people man I'm I'm following those laws I'm I'm eating the right stuff at the right time I'm doing the feast I'm getting circumcised I'm I'm practicing the law just as any Jew would practice the law why why was he doing it that way because he wanted to keep his door open to For them to receive the message. Now, if he went in there and says, You've got to look like me, act like me, and this is how it's done, the door would be closed and their hearts would not be ready to receive the message of the gospel that he had for them. He did that and practiced those laws, not because it was his way of justifying himself, his way of being sanctified. He did it so he could be identifiable and relatable to the Jews. To win the Jews. And he says that. Now, the second group he's talking about, those without the law, um, you know, he was saying those would be the Gentiles. But he made a, a distinction here, though he is not under Christ's law, he's under God's law. And of course, that's, you know, that's the Ten Commandments, the law, of the prophets. That's the law that's written on your and my heart, our morality. No man is free from that law. And so he was saying, when I'm with the Gentiles, I don't feel the need to make them do what the Jews do. I don't feel the need to say, hey, in order for you to be in a covenant relationship with Jesus, you have to be circumcised. No, he didn't do that. He says, I was like one without the law, which is a ceremony law, though he is not out from underneath God's law. Okay, And so he was doing that to win them. Now, the third people group he references here are the weak. Now, who are these weak people? And on what level did Paul make himself weak to win them? Interesting question. And when you read the text, you realize that Paul is talking about those people I referenced earlier. And those are weak Christians, new converts, people whose faith would be shaken by other people's actions. Paul is saying that when I'm with those people, I act and conduct myself and hold myself in a manner that would be relatable to them, to not offend them, that would lead them in, not drive them away. You know, and we need to accept that challenge this morning. It's it's important and it's hard. And so why all this charade? Why is Paul this, that way, that way, this way? Is Paul wishy-washy in his face? Is he a mere follower of trends and culture? No. No, Paul's saying, no, my motivations for being so chameleon-like goes much deeper. And it's because I love people. And Paul knew that he needed to be relatable. He needed to be relevant. And that is a core value here at the Gateway Church. And um, I've been sharing with my wife, man, I've been chewing on that relevant piece for months months i've been chewing on it because i know that we have to engage the culture in which we live in we have to engage the people group we're talking to it's important to know your audience and how to reach them how to speak to them no you need to know what makes them tick now, I am the youth pastor here at the Gateway Church, that's what I do, and if you were to ask me right off, hey, what's one of your passions, I would tell you very quickly that teenagers are a passion of mine. I love teenagers, I love being around them, I love how crazy and wild they are, I just love it, um, I love it, they're, they're great, and, and they're so much fun to be around, but every once in a while, every once in a while, I have the honor and privilege of speaking on a Sunday morning service like today, and uh, so... So I love doing that, too, and I love, you know, supporting Pastor Ben and, and being part of his team is a, is a real blessing to serve a man of God like that. Um, and I also, on some Sunday mornings, once a month, I, I teach back in the Club 252 room. Some of you have seen me back there, and I do that for a few reasons. One, because I love kids. Anybody who knows me knows I really love children. I think they're great. Um, I have, two, and I'm staying there, but I, I love other people's kids a whole lot, too. And, uh, um, and I do that also because I know that they're my future youth group, okay? I understand that those kids are going to be growing up and becoming into my group. It's important to establish a relationship with them, to be a part of their life. And it's a great honor that Deb and myself, who is our children's director, my wife, uh, get to work with the kids for so long. And so you guys really got to be praying for those kids, <laughs> They're in danger. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But my point is this, and I bring that up to say this, that my methods, when I preach to my students, the teenagers, is going to be different than my method this morning. This morning, this is more of a lecture-style type method. This is where we, you know, I give a sermon, I preach the gospel, and um, I can tell you very, very assuredly, because I know when I preach a 30-minute message to the teenagers, I lose them. Their eyes glaze over, their tongue hangs out, and the phones come out, and they just get lost. And it's not a bad thing. It's not their fault. It's the culture that they have been brought up with. The man, we gotta keep things moving. We gotta keep things popping. When I go into Club 252, my wife has done a very excellent job of creating a curriculum that's moving. Every three to five minutes, there's something new, something popping, and it works. And and so when I teach in there, I just do what she tells me to do, and it's usually a home run. And so and I, I find that you know a good method for my whole life just Deb you set me up and I'll do it and uh, it works well and uh, so that's kind of our, our our system she's the brains I just do the work and uh, so so it works out good but my methods are different you know if I went and preached this message to the kid and I was I'm preaching my heart I'm spitting and I'm doing my thing those kids would not know what the heck I'm talking about they'd be like God send Miss Deb back in the room please Uh, This guy is crazy. And so it's important to know your audience and to engage them. And Paul is saying that in this text, in in regards to those three different people groups, the the Jews, the Gentiles, and the new converts, the new Christians, which most Christians were in that time, a lot of new Christians. And uh, he was saying, when I'm with them, I am able to engage them in a way that they are open to receive the message of the gospel. And my question to you today is how relatable are you? Are you relatable to anyone from any walk of life? Can you preach, can you be relatable to blue-collar, white-collar, rich, poor, hyper, calm, young, old, new, um, you know, mature Christians baby Christians can you reach them are you relatable have you asked God to help you reach them because I believe as a Christian that we need to go after everyone and our tendency as Christians is to only reach out and to care about people who remind us of ourselves who look and talk just like me who love to fish and hunt God give me that ministry but you know what, God has called me to preach to teenagers, and 90% of them don't know how to hold a fishing pole. And that's okay, and I'm praying with them, and God's going to reach them. But you know what, if, if, if all Pastor and I cared about were people who looked and talked just like ourselves and made no effort to accommodate anyone else from any other walk of life, how effective would our ministry be? This room would be empty, and Pastor Ben and I would I be talking to each other. Um, you know, because the reality is you're here, I'm here, we're all here because in some way we identify with Pastor Ben in the Gateway Church that we feel fed here, we feel connected here, we like Pastor and he speaks our language and, and he's, he reaches us and that's a good thing, that's a good thing. But we need to be ministering to others in a way that they can connect, that they can feel loved and engaged And so that's our challenge today. You know, I wouldn't go into a rural setting with my inner city methods. I would not go into the streets of Wacoosta where I was born and raised in the greater Lansing area and bump rap music because kids would not be down. (laughs) They would just look at me and be like, Is the radio broke? I mean, what's going on? Um, You know, I go in there in just music and culture. I mean, like I said, I was born and raised in Lansing. I was surprised to see just from Lansing to here, a matter of how many miles? Do I have 100, 90, 100 miles? The difference in culture. The difference in how people were, this is a beach community. There's a different feel, a different vibe, and that's cool. And God created us. So I wouldn't take my methods I would take in the inner city of Lansing and try to force them into the youth group because I already did that and it didn't work. And so I I regrouped and came back with a new method, and uh, God has been good and God has been great, and, and we're enjoying it. But our methods need to reach the people we're talking to. Now, let me make a distinction here, and Paul made this distinction himself. Am I saying that to reach a sinner that I need to act like a sinner? Do I need to go to the bars and drink beer to reach the bar the bar attendant beer drinking guy? By no means, and that's why Paul says, you know. Um, We are not free from God's loss that we need to take this unchanging truth of the gospel message and relate it in a way that others can understand. And so Paul understood this, and Paul, having that mission of whatever it takes to reach as many as possible, knew that his methods had to change. And I told you earlier that I believe, and I have wrote this in my journal, that God's going to show me a new way of doing youth ministry that hasn't been done before to engage our ever-changing culture that I need to seek the Lord, and I, I don't believe that I have found that method yet, but I am earnestly seeking God and believing God for a method that's going to be l- unlike anything other the scene because sometimes the people who get in God's way the most are the people who are on the cutting edge of what God did last. And we don't want to be that here at the Gateway Church. We want to be fresh. We want that fresh Raymond word from God that's going to bring life into people and be effective and engage the culture that we live in because it's changing. It's always changing, always moving. So we got to be prepared for that. Um, and if I could relate it the best as I possibly could, I was racking my brain. God, I need an example. Give me an example. Um, but have you, have any of you ever tried to reason with a child, talk with a child? Um, a lot of the times, are, or or had to pull a kid aside to to kind of say, Hey, man, or you know, participate and let's sing the songs. I don't want to sing the songs in the corner and so you're kind of like talking to him I, I've discovered a method that I believe is effective and it's simple but the the reasons behind it are profound it's very I mean God revealed it to me after I did it so but it's very good and the, and this is it if, if let's say little Johnny here didn't want to pay attention or sit down that he had way too much energy and he didn't want to clap he didn't want to pray he didn't want to do anything you know I would kind of like hey Johnny come here come here come here come here and I get down on one knee I'd look little Johnny in the eye and I'd put my hand on him and be like, hey man. You know, we're all worshiping the Lord, and we love God, and it's important. And, and, you know, this is really effective because why? Because I have humbled myself. I'm no longer the six-foot-three giant compared to this two-foot little child. I've humbled myself to a position where I'm eye-to-eye eye with him, and I'm communicating to him value, that he matters to me, that he's worth taking a moment, lowering and humbling myself to talk to, and saying, you know what, Johnny? I really, you know, let's, let's just go in there and let's have fun. Let's worship the Lord. Let's, let's jump in. And I know it may not be your favorite thing, but, you know, we're going to do something fun in a minute. And, and usually little Johnny will be like, okay, because I've humbled myself. And we as Christians need to take that same stance as with other people and to humble ourselves and put ourselves in a place where we're eye to eye with them. Okay, does that mean I'm acting like a little kid? I'm like, I don't want to go to the store. don't want to do it. You know, no. I'm not acting that way, but I've humbled myself and made myself on his level to relate to him. And that's what God has called us to do. And my question to you is, how relatable or identifiable are you? You know, seek to be able to reach somebody from all walks of life, no matter where they come from. It's unchanging gospel message, you know, it's, it's important, and we need to do whatever it takes to reach them, whatever it takes. I want you guys to repeat that after me one more time, whatever it, whatever it takes to reach them. Paul says that so by all possible means, in verse 22, he says, so that all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And Paul kind of switches gears here. He's saying, in light of this passion, in light of, of this thing, I have made myself, I have disciplined myself to do this. He's likening it unto a, a discipline. Now you're saying, oh, Pastor Pete, now you're really, you know, going, I love self-discipline, woo! But it's important. And Paul likens this same passion, the same mission as a runner would be running a race. You know, he says in verse 24, "...do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize?" Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And he likens it unto a race. And what he's talking about here is the matter in which we run or walk out our Christian lives how we run matters. And you say, "Wait a minute, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven." Yes. But someday your life is going to end. Everybody's going to die at some point in your in in history unless we're raptured, which would be amazing. But but everyone dies. Someday your life will end. So that would mean that your life is the race. You're running a race in your life. Your death is the finish line and the rewarding for the medal to which you are running this race will be your life in heaven and you'll stand before the God who created everything and you will give an account for how you ran. Now how many of you would say that you want to be a second-rate runner, an out of weight, worn out, kind of soggy kind of guy? Spiritually speaking, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to stand before the Lord and say, God, I settled for bronze, but I should have been running for the gold. God said, run as you're running for the gold, that at whatever it takes, you will put this discipline in your life to reach the goal. The goal is the key. The key is being in heaven with Jesus and bringing as many people with us. That's the prize, and we got to run for it. Now, a gold Olympian. How many of you watched the Olympics this this winter or this year? How many of you can name three gold medalists right off the top of your head? Three gold medalists. Not very many people. Yet these people dedicated their entire life to achieving that goal. A crown that's going to fade. A crown that I stand before you today, and I can't name one. Not one of those people. Yet their dedication is inspiring. Yet their accomplishment is amazing. That crown, that gold medal, in the scheme of eternity, means nothing. Okay? Do your race to win that eternal crown. Don't trade your crown for something that will fade, something that will rot. Do it for that eternal crown, that, that you know, loving embrace of the Lord that he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, Paul often talks, I've ran the race, I fought the fight, and he leads in, and he knows that this mentality of whatever it takes, this mentality of loving people so much that it moves me, changes the way I am, He knows that it is a discipline. Now, I want to let you guys know that I've been working out as of late. I've been um, challenged by my wife, who is very athletic, and after I realized she could beat me up, I thought, well, I better do something in case I get in trouble. Okay, I need to defend myself. And so I've been working out. And, and, you know, since this winter, I've lost about 10 pounds. I've been running. I've been lifting. I uh, worked out with a buddy of mine uh, a week ago. and We did this thing called P90X Ab Ripper, and it was horrible. I hated it. Like, literally, I'm going to call it the ab detacher because, you know, the next day I was sore, but the day after the next day, oh, my gosh. You could ask my wife. I couldn't stand. I was, like, kind of like this the whole time. And I just like my abs were detached from my body; they were just kind of flapping around. It was horrible. Okay, it's it's tough, but but I know that my end goal is uh, is to lose some weight. And 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 I really, you know, I'm doing it so I can you know look good on the beach. And uh, when the sun's out, the guns come out, and you guys know what I'm saying. And so that's kind of my goal. But would I keep putting myself through this ab ripping, shredding? exercise if I had no goal in my mind why would I put myself through that torture I would stop wouldn't I having no goal to shoot for but my goal I want to be 180 pounds of pure lean mean machine I'm ready I'm gonna go at it I'm, I'm skipping lunches I'm doing it and it's hard it's not fun but I have that end goal in mind Because if if I lose sight of the goal, and if we lose sight of our goal, of of being with God in heaven, we are going to quit. We are going to stop, we're going to become distracted, and we're going to run for that big house, that big car, and that big bank account. You know, that's a perishing crown a perishing metal that many Christians waste their race running for. And Paul's saying, you know what, I don't run like that. I don't box like that, punching and swinging at the air at nothing. No, I know that i got to force my body. What I punch and what I kick is my body. And and so am I saying Paul's literally in this jail cell, and he's he's like, you're going to do what I say, and he's like hitting himself to the point of self-mutilation? Of course not. Of course not. But what Paul is saying here is Paul is saying that he has trained his flesh and his sin nature to be subject to his spirit. Now I want you guys to know you're a three-part being. God created you, three-part being, that you are a spirit, that you live in a body and you have a soul. And your flesh, your body, your sin nature is constantly at war with your spirit all the time. And you'll never reach a place in your life when you're done working out, when you're like, I'm good for the rest of my life. I'm done. You know, we know that. We know that to be true, that that we every day have to get up and and say, God, help me do what you've called me to do. God, help me reach somebody for Jesus. And, And when we, the Gateway Church, grab hold of this self-discipline, grab hold of this passion, when we love God so much that we love others more than ourselves and lay ourselves down, that's when the Gateway Church becomes dangerous. That's when the Gateway Church has explosive growth. That's when the Gateway Church will see resources flooding in here at a rate we don't even know what to do with it. we got to create programs just to, just to do, do something with what the resources God is giving us. You know, you see, until we all, as a whole, not just individually, but as a whole, become so devoted, so passionate to reaching souls, we will be we will be plateaued on the sandbar of being comfortable. And until we shed the baggage of our own comforts, will we then be able to to rise up and to be propelled into what God has called us to be. Because Pastor Ben, I can tell you very surely through his prayers, through his actions, and through his comments, his desire, God put in him a desire to be a soul winning church. That every time we give a gospel presentation here at the Gateway Church and we open the altars, that we'll see souls saved. People will come to respond that their lives in eternity will be altered god has called us to be dangerous not comfortable you know god gave his son the apostles gave their life what are you willing to give up for the gospel message what rights are you willing to forego so others can be saved we got to run in such a way to get the prize and what's that prize Is our eternity with heaven and bringing as many people with us. You know, it comes from living discipline. And if I could give you this little saying that God kind of put on my heart winning requires training, training requires discipline, and discipline requires some discomfort, does it not? You know, if we want to win, we've got to be training. And so you've got to be training yourself to think this way. Because, you know, off the top of the head, it's not always fun to share the gospel you know it is rewarding yes but sometimes we would rather be comfortable and God's saying you can't let that being comfortable stand in the way train yourself to be disciplined and that discipline requires you to forego some of your rights and some of your comforts it's important you know and God has called us to do that so church my challenge to you today is are you willing to do whatever it takes to see souls enter this kingdom my challenge to you today is this week are you willing to win somebody to Christ no matter what it takes you know I um I shared in first service I believe um I didn't share it in the service it's hard to do too I get confused what I've shared when um but I I shared in first service that uh um I, I went to bible school with a girl did I share this in this service Okay, I, I went to school with a girl, Bible school with a girl, and she did something very profound. She said that when she, um, she would go to bed at night, she hung a sign on her ceiling that says, Have you led anyone to the Lord today? And oftentimes she'd lay in bed and she'd be saying her prayers and she'd look up and be like, Ooh! Why did I put that there? You know, it was challenging. But yet, she chose to keep that in front of herself. And I can tell you here, I was in a, a part of a Bible class where they were like, you need to be, you need to be looking for every opportunity. You cannot let one opportunity pass you by. And, and some people are like, well, you can't require us to do that. And that's kind of dumb. But you know, what? I took it as a challenge. And I said, you know what? I want to be a soul winner. You know, if, if I God has called me to preach the gospel and I am not willing to be a soul winner, shame. On me. And so I went around looking for opportunities to share the gospel. And I can tell you here now with, with a joyful heart that my grandma, I led my grandma to the Lord because I was looking for that opportunity. And she's, she's in heaven now. We got to be looking. We got to be looking. We got to be throwing it out there. You know, accept that challenge that this week someone's going to be led to the Lord. God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I want to be a soul winner. God has called the church to be a soul winner, the gateway church to be a soul winner. And so that's my challenge to you today. Um, I'm gonna, we're we're going to be wrapping up here. Uh, and, and uh, I just want to give you an opportunity if you're like, hey, you know, you're talking about winning souls. You're talking about, you know, having a relationship with the Lord. And, and man, you're talking about running this race and, and I haven't even started my relationship with the Lord. I haven't even I'm not even in the race yet. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity. And if you guys had uh, ready a uh, um, uh, soft melodious track, that would be great. Um, but I, I want to give you an opportunity just to, to respond to the Lord. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, just put your hand in the air. I'm not doing this to call you out, to embarrass you, but I'm going to do it because I want to see you go to heaven. I want to see you in heaven. I want to rejoice with you someday. That when, when this whole thing is over, that we can, we can rejoice in the Lord together. We can worship the Lord together. And so if that's you, if you've never started that race, if you want to respond, you're like, Pastor Pete, I've listened to you for 30 minutes. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I do know I need the Lord. I want you to raise your hand with me right now. You know, is there anyone at all? I'm going to give you just a couple minutes to respond. I know sometimes it takes a moment to work up the courage, and that's okay. But God is calling you to be in his family. He wants you. He's been looking for you. He's been calling you out. You are not here because by an accident, you're here from a di- divine appointment from heaven. So you can have an encounter with the Almighty God. Is there anyone in this room today that would say, yes, I want to I wanna pray and accept Jesus? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Well, I'm not seeing any hands, and, and that's okay. But I hope that next week, that when pastor preaches, when pastor gives the altar call, We're going to see some hands next week, and God is calling you to be a part of that. Let's all take that mission, whatever it takes, um, whatever it takes. And so I want to give another challenge this morning, another opportunity for all you who the Holy Spirit has been working in and and has been challenging you, and you're like, you know what? I have allowed myself to be a a little undisciplined. I have allowed myself to be a little laxed in my love for others, and I, I want to step it up. I want to do whatever it takes. If that's you, uh, with no waiting or hesitation, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If that's you, if you're saying, God, I'm ready to do whatever it takes to see souls saved, I'm in. Use me. I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to close in this way. I want everyone to put your hand over your heart. Put your hand over your heart and say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son for me so I can be saved free from sin thank you for sending somebody in my life to get relate this gospel message now God use me in that fashion help me to to reach somebody to preach the good news to them to, to help them find Jesus Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, I want to see somebody come to Jesus this week. Use me. Thank you. Now, God, I pray for every person in this room, every person who responded to this challenge, every person. God, I pray that you'd use them in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, flood them with your spirit. Give them boldness. Father God, to preach Your Word, to, pre- to stand out and to love someone enough to, to present the gospel to them, to tell them that there's a Savior who cares about them, who bled for them, who died for them. God, I pray You use them to reach their worlds. Give them boldness, God. Lord, and help us to be disciplined in our walk and help us to do the things You have called us to do. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what You're doing at the Gateway Church. God, move in a powerful way. Revival, fire, fall. Move, move, God. We need a fresh move. Lord, we are hungry for it. We we desire it. And God, we want to be a church that wins souls. Thank you, Jesus. God, use us all. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, amen. Well, thank you guys for meeting us here this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. I pray that God just bless you all week long. Everywhere you go, I pray that that you you are blessed and that you bless others. I pray you have a great weekend. Join us for our picnic tonight. We're going to be grilling and chilling. I hope you all can come. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.